You're listening to Classicism in Conversation, a production of the Institute of Classical Architecture and Art, examining the relevance of the classical tradition today. This season is sponsored by Historical Concepts. You can find them online at historicalconcepts.com, on Instagram at historicalconcepts, and in their new book, Visions of Home. It's really nice to come home now because it feels like a place that I've built over the past 10 years of things I've collected through traveling and through life experiences. Welcome to At Home, a vicarious look at today's creatives. These are their stories of what it's like to live as a designer. You can follow along the At Home miniseries with a special photo log on classicist.org. Hi, I'm Lauren Hill. I live in Chicago in the Ravenswood neighborhood, just south of Lincoln Square in Andersonville. We're at the end of the block at an intersection of two converging one-way streets, which is always confusing to our Uber drivers who like to loop around the block. Every house on our block is different. There's single-family homes, there's six-unit homes, there's, oh gosh, what's that one? 20 units maybe. I live in a two-unit brick apartment building with a backyard, two bedroom, one bathroom. It's me and my husband, Eben, and our dog, Martin Short. Today is a nice day outside. I'm sitting in my sunroom, so there's windows all around me. I can see people walking and dogs walking. It's windy here today, so everything's moving. But it's Saturday, so there's a lot of people out and about and just walking, but keeping their distance. So the neighborhood itself is very walkable. Chicago in general is a really walkable city, especially in the northern neighborhoods. Southern too, but in Ravenswood anyway. Really residential, but it's really walkable. And there's breweries and restaurants and grocery stores and everything unique tucked away on the main streets nice walks because you can avoid a lot of traffic and everything's quiet with all the houses and the way that they've zoned the city. There's a lot of trees and grass and rabbits and squirrels and dogs and Martin can't say hi to any of those creatures right now so he's very lonely and devastated. He's loving the weather right now, loving the the streets and how they're not super crowded. We live on a, a great block. Ravenswood in general is just super residential, so it's quieter. Everyone kind of knows everyone. If you live in the neighborhood long enough, you, you see the same people and same dogs and same outdoor cats every day. And yeah, everything's within walking distance that you could need. There's nothing in your way as far as major thoroughfare or highways to cross. So you can walk to, say, a brewery or whatever. Ravenswood is just it's just quieter and it's more livable and the apartments, the square footage, you're going to get a larger space to live in for less money when you're closer to downtown. So it's just a nice perk of being a little bit removed because you have more space to, to walk around. But you still have that city living where you can walk to everything that you need. We always enter through the back. So we walk, we have a small backyard and a little patio and we're on the second floor there's a family that lives below us and so we walk up the back steps because it's only one door to unlock versus three doors to unlock if you go the front way so it's out of laziness mostly anyway so you walk around the backyard up the stairs and the first door that you open is directly into our kitchen 
and this kitchen used to be cut off. There used to be a separate mudroom, a separate little breakfast area, but the previous tenants, our landlords actually open planned the kitchen. So there's a larger island in the center now instead of those chopped rooms. I and mean, it's a really nice hangout space that's completely not a part of like the living room or like a traditional Chicago apartment would be. So it's its own separate space. So you walk in from the back door into the kitchen and the kitchen's fairly open with the large island in the center and a large pantry that's has its own door. And then from there, it's a really long space. So you're looking straight down all the way to the front of the apartment into our center. And so moving out of the kitchen, you'd move into our dining room and there's windows on the left side and a wall on the right. And then we have a large mirror that rests on the wall that also shares the wall with the kitchen. So there's a lot of light that reflects into the dining room and then flows into the rest of the the house. From the dining room, we go into where the front door is and our entryway where I've set up a record player and a lamp and made it a little music station. And then that leads into a much wider living space that spans the whole width of the apartment. On the left side is a set of white built-ins with a white brick fireplace, non-operating, of course. So it's uh, not in use ever. And then the right side of the living room is the dedicated lounge area where TV and hangout and game watching happens. And then beyond the living room, this space narrows into a smaller area surrounded by windows, which is our sunroom. And this is our like work hangout spot, place to grab coffee in the morning because the morning light hits it. It faces east so we get a lot of really bright morning sunlight and it's really nice with coffee or to have a glass of wine in here and just hang out and martin loves to hang out in the sunroom the most because it's a tile floor and so it's the coolest on his furry tummy when he can move the rug to the side that is the two main layouts that come to mind when i think of a chicago apartment the old school and the new school So the old school is you walk into the entryway and it's either the dining or the living room and the rest of the apartment is a really thin hallway with just rooms leading off as bedrooms. And then the back room is larger kitchens and that's the traditional setup. So it's chopped where the kitchen's in the back and the living dining's in the front and the bedrooms are in the hall. The newer space that's more popular in apartments that I see is combining the kitchen, dining, and living. So that really main open concept where a street-facing unit would have its living space closest to floor-to-ceiling windows with also a kitchen and an island attached, and the island would look into the living space. And then that would be preceded by a long hallway with rooms. There might be a second or third floor with maybe a separate living space, but the, the main area is combined. I think we're really lucky in the sense of our space, the way that it's split, it's not narrow at all. It's really wide because it's separated. There are more spaces to actually enjoy versus having one multi-purpose room. And the nice thing about our kitchen is that it has an island with stools. So that's you can have a lot of people in there and hang out. And then you can also have a separate hangout happening down the length of the apartment in the living room or in the sunroom. I personally like that because I think you, I like to have each room be utilized fully instead of combining spaces. I think you can get a lot more out of a home 
And I like more squish footage personally, just because I want to spread out and be able to really capitalize on all of the square feet that you have, especially city living. What's cheating when I think when you combine living and dining and your kitchen all in one, because then you're you're losing out on windows around the other sides of the unit, extra storage, extra just spots for guests to, to go to retreat to. I I like having hosting guests and out-of-town visitors frequently. And it's important for me to have separate spaces beyond the bedroom that guests can feel comfortable and spend time in on their own and have some privacy. I think the old school idea was the open living dining concept has become like the, I don't know, only way of living for some people in the last um, 20, 30 years, I would say. I disagree just with, with that whole mantra. I wanted each space hold and serve its purpose and not be combined with with other spaces. So I love a good gallery wall. So I have three gallery walls actually in my home right now. The first is in the dining room. So this is a pretty large room. And like I mentioned, there's a large, large, large mirror that takes up the entire width of the wall that shares the wall with our kitchen. And directly across from the mirror is where I have a gallery wall of maps. There's a large radiator that takes up a large chunk of the vertical space. So the maps hug the wall around that. And then I've got a little industrial bar cart set up to the right of the radiator. So the maps flow around the furniture all the way to the ceiling. So the map gallery wall is travels in places I've been. So there's Chicago. We've got a couple Chicago maps, a Paris map. We honeymooned in Costa Rica. And then for our one-year anniversary, the traditional gift generally is paper. So Evan surprised me with a map of Costa Rica to commemorate that trip. And then we added a few more from Portugal and Spain from our travels last summer. And it's just been expanding since. We've got Norway up there, a general Europe map. It's a collection of places we've been and places we want to go to. I'm adding the other gallery wall in our guest bedroom, which is a little bit more meaningful because there's photos of Evan's parents on their wedding day and both of our grandparents and a postcard I collected in Italy, a photo I collected in Key West, family, places I've traveled on my own, art that I've collected over the years that I thought was cool, an old Guinness poster. I was studying abroad in London and we went to Ireland for a weekend trip and did the, the whole Guinness factory. And I think I got the, the Guinness poster there. We were doing a family trip in Florence a few years ago and we were walking down this street and it was a side street and tucked away was this really cool paper store. And all they sold was paper, wrapping paper, gift paper and small prints. And it sounded like a really boring shop, but it was actually amazing. And all of the prints are beautiful. So I got this really cool, drawn, ornate Italian hot air balloon. And that's framed in a really cool way. And it's part of the gallery wall, along with those old vintage photos and other kind of artwork that I've collected over the past few years. So it's really eclectic in the bedroom. And that's all set on a really cool, moody, dark green wall that I just painted earlier in February. So the art really pops because all of the frames are different colors against the the green. So in the dining room beyond the gallery wall, we have this amazing large 8x10 rug from 
Jakarta, Indonesia from Evan's uncle. And it's all handwoven and a beautiful gift. And it's a dusty rose with a bunch of different golds and blacks woven in. And that sits under vintage farmhouse table. And then along with that table, we've got some uh, mid-century dining chairs. So eclectic is definitely just my style because of the pieces I've inherited and then just the things that I've liked and my, how my styles evolved over time in that curated look, which is just naturally eclectic. When I first was able to identify my style, I really, really skewed industrial. And I have pieces in my home, like my bar cart and my media unit and my coffee table that all have wood and metal elements to them and those heavy drawer pulls and studs and distressed wood. And I really thought industrial was my style. And Evan, my husband, didn't really like that style. So I had started showing him photos of other types of categories of furniture and styles. And he kept waffling between mid-century modern and transitional. So to appease him, I started collecting more mid-century items and putting those into our home. And then with that and then inheriting pieces along the way, like this really cool boho Indonesian rug, you'd learn how, that you have to just make everything work, even if it's not within the same style or category. But you can do that through color or wood tone. And sometimes it's really beautiful to just where it, everything doesn't match at all, but it looks cohesive somehow. I think now that I'm older and I've been able to like grow my collection, it's really nice to come home now because it feels like a place that I've built over the past 10 years of, of things I've collected through traveling and through life experiences or, or gifts. And, and that part's really great. My favorite room in our house right now is the sunroom. It's surrounded by windows, these really cool bamboo blinds. And you can actually shut the doors for full privacy if you wanted or could even convert into a small guest bed. Right now we're using it as mostly a hangout and lounge space. So it's all white brick with windows. And I've got just this cool greenhouse vibe going. I've got hanging plants in all the corners, chairs in all of the corners, a really cool chevron tribal light blue and cream rug that I've layered over another blue rug. And every corner has some plant or vintage book or some gold object stuck in it. I have a really cool vintage plant mister for my air plants. And I found when I was in Cleveland, I actually found these really amazing old 1980s candle, a hanging candle holders that I actually stuck in a big air plant in, in place of a candle to make it feel a little bit more modern, a little bit more boho. This room is, is definitely the most boho part of my house. It's boho meets mid-century. In the the favorite chair in my house by me, my husband, and the dog is definitely our velvet olive green mid-century chair from West Elm. It's just super comfortable and it really makes the room pop. And then across from that is a really pretty low carved wooden light coffee table. And I've got some plants on there. I think Martin is probably the king of the green chair if he could have his say. It's definitely his chair, but he lets us sit in it sometimes. 
Plants are such an integral part of interior design and exterior, but in my opinion, every room should have some plant element to it, whether that's as simple as an air plant or a small succulent or a giant fiddle leaf fig tree. They're integral to bringing that freshness and life into every space. And yeah, they just make the, the room just feel cozier and better for the win. I just got three in the mail, actually, three more plants in the mail. One's a really cool donkey tail succulent. So once it starts growing, it'll tendril down. And I just got a philodendron too. And I put that in the corner of the sunroom. So same thing, it'll start growing and then tendril down and really pumping the greenhouse vibe in the room a little bit more. The goal is to just like fill this space with as many plants as possible. There's 11 plants in the sunroom alone and probably at least two to three in every other room. So it's it's a lot, but I, I don't know. Plants are therapeutic and healthy and something to take care of. Makes you feel like you have a responsibility in your home. Plus, they're pretty and they're nice, and they they have the other benefits. Yeah, the two hubs of this home are definitely the living room and the kitchen, just because they're on opposite ends of of the space. So the kitchen, because it has a large island, we've got a couple of stools around it. And it's definitely our main spot to work. We'll cook together in there. We'll turn on music from the record player down the hall and have a glass of wine on a Friday and make a, a dinner in there. It's also naturally the first place that since you enter the home into the kitchen, when we host guests, it definitely is the first place that we receive them and probably spend the first hour or so in the kitchen, just hanging out before we eventually progress to the dining and then usually have a drink in the sunroom, maybe play a game in the living room. But the kitchen is always the center and the hub of where everything starts. And it's very green. <laughs> Got really into collecting old jazz records. So we put a lot of records like Keith Jarrett and we put on different piano music in the background, just different records when hosting guests. And it's also a nice activity to give to one of your guests when you're too busy cooking or serving someone to say, hey, go um, pick out a record next. And it makes them feel included and in part of the evening. So that's always my party trick. That and a water station. Not enough people have available water at their homes when hosting. Always just have a carafe of water and extra glasses sitting out somewhere. It's appreciated. I mean, the, obviously the main investment in a living room or in your home, I guess, prioritizing what space you use the most and then deciding what investment piece you want to go with. So if you're spending all of your time in the living room, your sofa is probably the item you should really invest in. The other piece I would say that I really love is a really good rug, especially if you're going to be rolling around with kids or pets. A high pile durable rug is, it really ties the room together and anchors everything in every space, really. You can't go wrong with a rug. I would say it, it's fortunate that we have small spaces beyond the bedrooms that we retreat to so we can be at opposite ends of the house and still have our space to work and can come together when we need to. But it's nice to have that separate space. I don't know how people are doing it working in the same room all day, every day, honestly. Chicago's just a really livable, easy city that is clean and people are nice and it's easy to get around 
but spacious. People have yards here. Even when you're renting, you can still have a yard. And that's a nice perk to have a little bit of outdoor space in an urban setting. So it's the best of both worlds because you get space, but you still get that neighborhood city feel. Many thanks to our sponsor, Historical Concepts. You can find them online at historicalconcepts.com, on Instagram at historicalconcepts, and in their new book, Visions of Home. Classicism in Conversation is a production of the Institute of Classical Architecture and Art, a national nonprofit promoting the practice, understanding, and appreciation of classical design. To find out more and to learn about additional programming, visit classicist.org. This episode was produced by Justin Kegley and Kellen Kraus and edited by Cosette Gobat. We're always looking for feedback, so please write to podcasts at classicists.org with your comments. 